The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of The Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. And if you're new to the show, I'm glad you found us. Welcome, and make yourself at home. This is episode number 26. I have a great show in store for you tonight. For weeks, I have been announcing Chosen the abduction special, and tonight will air part one with someone known worldwide in the UFO circle as hypnotherapist Yvonne, Yvonne Smith, is our special guest tonight, and she will be with us shortly. And so that you know, in preparation for tonight's interview, I asked Yvonne if it would be possible to include real regression audio clips. And after a few days of logistical preparation, she has provided two great audio clips of one of her most important abduction regression hypnotherapy sessions. Two brothers, who are now adults, were abducted when they were very young, and it wasn't until decades later that they decided to seek help to find out what really happened to them. What makes this case so important and so interesting is the fact that usually it is one person recounting the story, and cases like the Betty and Barney Hill are very rare. What you're about to hear later in the show are two separate raw and unadulterated audio clips 
from two separate sessions, one for each brother. In this case, and many others, I thoroughly discuss in Yvonne's book, Chosen, Recollections of UFO Abductions Through Hypnotherapy. I thought it would be very informative for you, the listener audience, to experience this. This is as close as we can get to what it feels like to be abducted. The Veritas show is syndicated by the following affiliates. K-Rock's Zero Point Radio, the Black Vault Radio Network, and the Paranormal Radio Network, UPRN 105.8 FM, New Orleans. You can listen to Veritas right on our website, on iTunes and RSS feeds throughout cyberspace. And if you listen through iTunes, please remember to rate us and leave feedback. We are heard in 122 countries and growing. Our upcoming guests are Stephen Bassett, Whitley Streber with part two of Chosen, the abduction special, Colin Andrews, and Timothy Good. For updates, visit our website, veritasshow.com. And if you need to get in touch with me, just send an email to mail, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com. Or head onto our website and click on the contact button. Don't forget to stop by the Manticore Forum, where you can send questions to our future guests and discuss many topics with members around the world. Just go to our website, veritasshow.com, and click on Forum, or simply go to manticore.com. And remember our chat room? Well, it's now open 24-7. At one point, we closed it, and we opened it every weekend, Fridays, Saturdays, and closed it on Sundays, but we decided to keep it open. A lot of people can't participate all the time because of the time differences, since there are so many people around the world that have uh, different time zones. So it's now open 24-7. I'm usually there on Friday and Saturday evenings. I would love to interact with you, and you never know when a guest will drop by too. To chat with me and everyone else, just head on to veritasshow.com and click on chat. And again tonight, I won't read any headlines. You can always go to our blog and get the latest there. In celebration of our six-month anniversary, and as promised, I have another summary from a past show. This time, and very timely indeed, since there is so much talk about disclosure, and even next week, he will be joining us again, Stephen Bassett. This will also give our new listeners an idea of what has transpired in the last six months. Enjoy. Disclosure is a huge issue. As far as I'm concerned, it's bigger than any other issue one could name. And it hasn't been addressed simply because the government made a decision that it wasn't going to address it, that it would put off uh, formally and publicly dealing with the ET question until when it was ready. We're moving closer and closer to disclosure. This This is being driven by many things, multiple fronts. And the media's response is just one of many indicators that we're that things are happening, and we're we're getting towards uh, a uh, a resolution of this issue. Our allies in World War II, and ostensibly our allies in in uh, essentially in, in in the Cold War as well, that the U.S. they would defer to the U.S. regarding the timing of of how we're going to deal with this ET question. All the first world nations know there's an ET presence, but who announced it? They deferred to us on this. The evidence for the ET presence is massive and overwhelming, and any debunker that tells you otherwise is simply a fool. For a country, whether it be China, the UK, France, 
Canada, the United States, whichever country in, uh, formally acknowledged the ET presence, meaning the government and the head of government acknowledged the ET presence with the usual accompanying press conference. And almost certainly with some evidence, some gun camera footage from some of their chase planes or whatever else they want to bring out to, to make the point clear they're serious. Whichever government does that, other nations will follow suit in rapid fire. Uh, don't expect any nation to come forward and say, oh, what are they talking about? There's no such thing. Ain't going to happen. You will, you will have an almost worldwide acknowledgement uh, of the ET reality. It might take as much as two to three weeks. And a significant official in the Catholic Church, the, the, the Catholic astronomer, Gabriel Fones, holds a press conference and, and says, yeah, we're fine with ETs. We're fine with extraterrestrials. So uh, that happened a number of months ago, and then on November the 14th, uh, we have a video of the Pope addressing a large group in which he once again brings up the issue that ETs are our brothers under God. The Catholic Church has known about the ET presence for a very long time. They have representatives all over the world, and they've been, those representatives, priests, have been taking confessions from countless millions, hundreds of millions of people, millions of times, um, uh, over the centuries, being told, undoubtedly, some of the earliest contact stories, leading right up to the present, uh, whether or not the individual were interpreting it or not. And so they were probably getting indication that something rather profound was going on a very long time ago. Uh, they've established a substantial astronomical presence, and they are ready to go. The secret empire is collectively the intelligence wing of uh, the United States government, its agencies, and the intelligence and classified portions of all commercial government contract work. Uh, and that's our secret empire. Other nations also have these same components. Uh, they're not as big by any means. Ours is the biggest now by far, even bigger than uh, Russia. I think bigger than China. It's vast. NASA is one of the great victims of the truth embargo. NASA was created in 1958 to be the Civilian Space Agency, which it's starting to be, but if you read the act, and I've talked about this many times, you see that with respect to extraterrestrials and any matters uh, impacting national security, NASA, in fact, doesn't call the shots. And that's simply a fact. You can read the act and see for yourself. Um, and so what that meant was that anything extraterrestrial that NASA might see photograph, encounter, whatever, anything, past or present, simply was not their call, and, and the Department of Defense would do that. And so NASA, if anything, if there's any number of possibilities, but if, if there's anything about our space exploration, particularly the moon, that in the Department of Defense view, uh, put the truth embargo at risk, and you can fill in the blanks here, they, the Department of Defense would have made the decision about whether we would go back to the moon or how would we go to the moon and so forth. They would make those calls, not NASA. In other words, the, 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 space, the civilian space programs would be conducted in such a way as to not risk the truth embargo. Simple, as simple as I can state it. And if that meant uh, a, 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 a moon program had to be uh, essentially suspended for decades, if that meant we, we would go to Mars in one way and not another. We'd film this and that, not, not something, whatever. It didn't matter. Uh, the Department of Defense would make a call. And so NASA, you've got all these people working there who I'm sure would love nothing more 
then to be able to announce as an extraterrestrial presence or be able to go to the stars or just do their job, sensing at one level or another that these enormous possibilities are being uh, withheld or held back by the truth department, it's got to be brutal on them. And so NASA has been in a really tough spot. I just don't know the specifics. People have speculated at great lengths of what we saw on the moon or happened there or what's up there and why we can't go back. I, I don't know. Uh, and I've not, not seen, any, seen anything that was conclusive in that regard. But do I smell a fish in this barrel? Oh, yeah. Uh, do I strongly suspect that NASA's decisions regarding space exploration have been dramatically impacted by the need to maintain the truth embargo? Absolutely. But until disclosure, I, I don't think we're going to know the details. If you were in charge of disclosure, with a capital D, as mm-hmm. you like to call it, how would you handle it? I would handle it the way I've said many, many times. Uh, I would uh, arrange. Uh, uh, I would arrange uh, for a representative of my uh, uh, administration. In, in the case of Barama, I would probably pick John Podesta to meet privately with the managers of the intelligence and, uh, and cross-agency committees that have responsibility for this issue, address any concerns and details they have. Once that consensus is reached, I would very quickly assemble uh, a group of people to serve on a, a press uh, conference panel. We'd be brought together under extreme security and secrecy. Uh, then I, as soon as that is ready, I would go for the public from the Oval Office indicating that a very significant announcement is about to be made and important information is to be provided to the American people and that I, as the President, fully endorse this act and support it and we'll be speaking about it further in the future and then it would cut to that press conference and a carefully selected moderator would be the one non-political, non-partisan who announced to the world's people that and the American people that there is an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race that we have known about it for some time, that we elected to classify this for national security reasons, but we feel that we can now reveal this to you and that we will now take your questions. That's how I would do it. Yvonne Smith began researching the UFO phenomenon in the late 1980s. After two years of studies and 1,000 hours of internship at the California Hypnosis Motivation Institute, the only accredited hypnosis college in the United States, she received her hypnotherapy certification in 1990. Specializing in cases of post-traumatic stress disorder, she used her hypnotherapy skills to assist such victims to work through their anxiety. Many of her subjects are referred to her by physicians and psychiatrists who believe Smith's expertise can benefit their patients. In fact, Many such patients are themselves doctors, university professors, engineers, lawyers, and other professionals. Because Smith, who is internationally known in UFO circles as simply hypnotherapist Yvonne, observed that many of the PTSD cases being referred to her involved subjects with similar patterns of UFO abduction encounters, Yvonne founded Close Encounters Resource Organization, CERO as a support group for such individuals in 1992, now in its 19th year. She's also on the board of the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, OPUS, to further her support for such subjects. In addition to being a hypnotherapist in demand, since 1991, Yvonne has traveled extensively, 
presenting lectures in the United States at MIT and several other universities at many American UFO conferences, including lecturing and conducting many standing room only experiencer sessions at the International UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada. The Roswell International UFO Museum annually invites Yvonne to present multiple lectures, be a panel member, and moderate their investigator panel at Roswell's internationally known UFO Festival in July. She has also lectured for several years at international conferences from South America to Europe. And tonight, we are proud to have with us a world-renowned hypnotherapist. And in the UFO circle, she's known as the, an abduction hypnotherapist, the author of the book, Chosen, Recollections of UFO Abductions Through Hypnotherapy. Ladies and gentlemen, Yvonne Smith. Hello, Yvonne, and welcome to The Veritas Show. How are you? Hello, Mel. Nice to, nice to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. It's my pleasure, Yvonne, ever since I started doing the show. It's incredible at how many people have contacted me because they felt they wanted to talk to someone that would listen about their abduction experiences and not ridicule them or thought they had a mental disorder. That's when I decided to look into the abduction phenomenon. First, I started with Jim Sparks, and believe, uh, I believe you know him. But then I wanted to continue getting to the bottom of this, to give the people who are writing to me something in response. I had a conversation with Paula Harris, and she mentioned two names, Whitley Strieber, as a prime example of an abductee. Everyone knows of his experience or experiences. And when I asked Paula about someone who helps people deal with these experiences, she said, you have to talk to my friend Yvonne Smith. So here you are, Yvonne. Thanks again, Paula, for always being a conduit. So. Yes. So tell me, uh, Yvonne, how long have you been doing hypnotherapy, and, and what got you involved in this? Well, gosh, I've been doing hypnotherapy for the last uh, 18 years, and I believe I started, I, I became interested when I uh, attended a lecture many years ago in Pasadena, California, uh, where Bud Hopkins was uh, lecturing and and presenting some slides of some of his cases. Um, I had heard of him, and my mother knew about him, so uh, we both, uh, my mother and I both attended his lecture that day, and I became very, um, you know, very fascinated with the subject. And then, of course, uh, I read uh, Whitley Strieber's book. Now, at the time when I picked up his book in a bookstore, I had no idea what what the subject matter was. I just... Uh, noticed the cover of this book and it intrigued was it Was it communion? It was communion. Yes. It was not until I picked it up and I, I read the, the inside of the jacket of the book cover that, um, you know, I, I saw that it was about uh, UFOs and abduction. So I bought it and read it and, um, you know, from there I just... Uh, wanted to learn more and more about the subject. So what training did you have for hypnotherapy and your post-traumatic stress disorder work? Uh, I attended uh, the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in California, and it was at the time the only accredited uh, school of hypnotherapy. It was a very, very thorough uh, program, uh, and I spent um, a year studying and another year in the clinic uh, 
gaining my my hours towards my certification. Uh, but it was also my training with Bud Hopkins uh, in the work of uh, regression, working with abduction cases is where I, I learned about, um, you know, hidden memory and block memory uh, and how to do regression because I did not study that in the course of uh, going to hypnotherapy college. I was able to get the basics there, but it was... Um, it was studying, you know, side by side with Bud Hopkins is where I learned, um, you know, most of my skills with the abduction work. I also heard that you had some interactions with the late John Mack, Dr. John Mack. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, several years ago where Bud Hopkins, uh, Dr. John Mack, David Jacobs, Ph.D., uh, John Carpenter at the time, we all traveled to several conferences lecturing together as a group uh, and it was it was very very fulfilling to have uh, worked with John Mack Dr. John Mack and um, to you know learn about his cases and how he interacted with his clients and patients uh, you know it was we suffered a terrible loss when uh, you know when he had his accident and passed away right uh, you know sometimes when you're young, something happens that changes the path as to where you're going. Was that moment when you took that book from the shelf, Communion, is that what changed you to start looking into this, or was, was it something else? I believe so. I I, I think so, because uh, you know, I, never, I, I never become obsessed with anything. I never have been that obsessive type obsessive type personality but when i did uh read whitley's book and i read it in a, just a couple of days i couldn't put it down it just was uh you know it intrigued me so much and i think that's what led me to um to want to study and become interested in studying the art of hypnotherapy so um i believe i believe that's right that it it changed the course of my path, uh, because I never thought I would be working with uh, UFO abduction cases. And, you know, doing this for the last 18 years, I just can't believe all this time has passed. Uh, and then I published my first book. And, of course, uh, you know, that that was really never in my, um, you know, in, my, in past years. And when I was younger, going to school, uh, never thought I would be an author of a book, and I'm a, um, of course I went in the process of writing my second book, a follow-up book to Chosen. So it did change my path, the uh, course of my life. And when you do get into something like UFOs and abduction, it it does change you because you realize there's uh, you know something something greater that's going on uh, besides you know our little box that we all tend to put ourselves in. Uh, of daily life. I mean, there's some, something much greater going on. You know, there's a, an approach, an initiative out there. When people start talking about UFOs, they tend to be ridiculed. But then you have people like you, you have people like Dr. Lin Kitai, who, who filmed the, U, the Phoenix Lights, who come forward and talk about these experiences. And there's no way somebody can start ridiculing those. Although some people say, that's the kiss of death. When somebody starts talking about abductions, contactees, UFOs, all of a sudden their, their careers take a turn. 
did you experience any of this when you started dealing with abduction regression? Well, of course, I uh, have dealt with with ridicule. I've done many uh, television shows where um, I've had to come up against a debunker uh, on the show or, or planted in the audience. Um, Interesting. I believe that, you know, so many of us do suffer uh, professionally because of the work that we do. So, um, and it, and it's, it is very unfortunate. It's a uh, double standard uh, in, the, in society. I, I still don't understand it. I strongly believe it's a concerted effort by the intelligence apparatus to have those plants, those debunkers in the audience or at forums, just discrediting people like you for the work that you do. How long have you been working with uh, UFO abduction cases? Over the last, uh, actually when, when I started my practice, the last uh, 17, 18 years. And what brought you to doing this work? Was there a motivation? You heard people wanted, wanted help and they weren't getting any help and you decided that you were going to be the one providing that help. How, explain how the transformation from a regular hypnotherapist to, to this type of hypnotherapist. Take us from step by step. Well, it was interesting because I was working in the clinic uh, when, when I was getting my training and accumulating my hours for my certification. I was working with uh, many cancer patients who were going through the trauma, of course, of their treatments, um, and which was very fulfilling work. And at the time, because I was becoming interested in the UFO subject, I attended another conference where I met uh, author and researcher Anne Druffel, uh, who wrote the Tahunga Canyon Contact many years ago. This was a case that occurred in the 50s. And, um, and she began to refer cases to me. And as I met other researchers, they began to refer cases to me because those of us who work in this field are very few and far between. Uh, you really can't pick up the yellow pages, uh, you know, and, and look up abduction researcher, you know, uh, regressionist and, and find someone. So it was really, uh, it's, it, it snowballed uh, as I began receiving referrals. Uh, those clients started referring people to me and uh, my, my practice just became uh, very, very busy, but with abduction cases where I thought at the time I started my practice, I would be working mainly with cancer patients and people who, you know, people who were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, for instance, people, say, who suffered, um, you know, car accidents, things like that, some kind of trauma, but I as I started working with the abduction cases, I realized that their symptoms were exactly the same as someone suffering another type of trauma. And I realized trauma is trauma. Uh, they were exhibiting symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, this, this is the work that I've been doing. Of course, I still have my, my regular practice. And I do help people from you know all walks of life. Uh, but the abduction work is, Oh, it's had me travel to all parts of the United States and Europe, and um, as I, you know, mentioned before, uh, it it led me to 
to write about my cases because um, I felt that you know we need to to educate the general public out there who still are not familiar with UFOs and abduction. How does hypnotherapy enter into your work with these clients? When people come to me, they they come to me because they have bits and pieces of memory. Uh, they know something perhaps out of the ordinary happened to them. They they saw a strange light or craft in the sky. Um, they they felt that they were missing, you know, one or two hours of of time that they couldn't account for, mm-hmm. and um, it it's been bothering something like this has bothered these people for many many years. They never come to me and say, "I think I've been abducted by aliens." They come to me because they are bothered. Uh, by time that they can't account for or very strange um, reoccurring dreams um, or waking up with very strange marks on their body that they can't account for, you know, uh, in addition to having a strange dream the night before. So there are, are, are several reasons why someone will come to me, but I use regression to bring the person back to that time and place where the incident occurred. Uh, it could, this could be 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, this phenomenon starts in childhood and uh, follows the person throughout their lives. It also follows family lines. So if a person comes to me and feels that they've something has happened to them, then chances are something's happened to their parents and grandparents and siblings and so forth. I was just going to ask you, because there's a common denominator in a lot of the abductees in that their mothers or their fathers and their grandparents have gone through this. So you found that similarity too? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it follows family lines. Um, you know, they're, they, we feel they're obviously studying us. Um, and once a person is chosen, um, that's why I call my book Chosen, uh, they are, you know, they have encounters throughout their lives. Um, it could it could lay dormant for a while. They may not have experiences for some time, but then it uh, then something will happen. We just discussed this in my Ciro meeting. Uh, this is past Sunday. Uh, my my group support group that I founded. 17. And for the audience, let's just tell them what Zero is, Close Encounter Resource is, Organization, right? Yeah, Close Encounter Resource Organization, and it's for people who have had the abduction experience and um, feel that they need to talk about it in a safe environment uh, without the fear of ridicule and shame, and um, they have people that, it's just like any other support group if you've ever right. attended any other support group except where we're dealing with the UFO subject. I also encourage um, their their spouses, their significant others, their children, you know, members of their family to attend as well because it affects everyone. Sure. What other similarities have you found between clients? As 
far as... Uh, Commonalities. Whenever you talk to somebody, and again and again, do you, is there something, a topic or something that they talk about that is the same as what somebody else shared with you? Similarities in their symptoms? Well, we have missing time. We have uh, uh, the fact that they're taking against their will in most in most instances. We have that they probably lose the power to counter the abduction. Uh, but what else have they told you that seems to be a reoccurring pattern between abductees? I, I believe it's the um, the problem that they suffer is not quite remembering everything mm-hmm. that occurred after that. Perhaps they maybe uh, saw a craft in the sky or uh, they woke up um, in their beds, um, or not even woke up, but they're lying in their beds, perhaps reading, and they're rendered paralyzed. Uh, They can't move except for their eyes. A a bright light uh, comes into the room, uh, and and then there's a blackout after that. Uh, Of course, the the most common or uh, obvious is waking up for the very strange very often geometric uh, mark on their bodies where they could not remember how they, you know, could have uh, received such a mark. Uh, the, you know, the most significant part of that is that these marks are usually not very fresh in the morning. They're almost almost healed over as if they've been there for some time. And then after maybe a couple days or a week or so, then they, they tend to disappear. But I show in my lecture series of many of the uh, triangular-shaped marks and scars that show up in, uh, in many of my clients. I talk about this in my book, Chosen, as, as well. So, um, you know, there's many symptoms that, that are, are very common among people who've had the abduction experience. Of course... Um, not being able to sleep, uh, having uh, recurring dreams, uh, you know, their daily lives are interrupted because they're they're bothered by, um, you know, by the the dreams, the the lack of sleep, the bits and pieces of memory. So that's that, that's all also comes um, under the definition of post traumatic stress disorder. What do you believe these marks are? To me, they, they may sound as scars where perhaps something was inserted, perhaps an implant. Have you found any answers to those marks? What, what the reason for the, um, for the marks? Yes. The, um, the triangular-shaped marks, now some of them have come up in uh, needle marks, uh, a, a needle pattern in a triangular-shaped mark with a needle in the center of it. We feel that they take our, some of our DNA. Uh, we feel that they perhaps have been implanted with a tracking device mm-hmm. to keep them, you know... Well, one of my... In fact, at the last serial meeting, one of my serial members said that he remembers being told... This is so that we could keep track of you, so we know so we know where you are. Now, a lot of this is speculation on our part as well, because as we as researchers, we don't get any, any definitive answers. Right. We're just in. The, it, we're just able to extract the information from 
our clients in the course of their regression and as we as we track the patterns of from case to case to case uh, these are the these are the conclusions that we're making at this time but we're not we don't have any definite answers unfortunately we're not sure what their ultimate agenda is and that's what is a little bit unnerving for all of us because we don't know ultimately uh, where all of this is going to lead, what their plan is. I mean, they have a definite plan, these alien beings and wherever they're from. That's the question that a lot of abductees have. What's the purpose? Have you worked with Dr. Roger Lear in any of his cases? Yes, I've known uh, Dr. Lear for many years since he started in the field. And um, I know he, that uh, he's, he's done, I believe, about 13, 14 surgeries by now extracting these objects. Um, so, uh, you know, he's working very hard in, in trying to get these uh, objects analyzed to see what, you know, what these can be and what the purpose is. CRO, Close Encounter Resource Organization. Do you have activities other than group therapy? Oh yes, we we have had special events. Uh, last year we had uh, Stan Friedman, nuclear physicist, and Captain sure. Martin, his co-author, uh, speak at the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. CRO uh, sponsored that event. We have had Dr. David Jacobs come and speak for the group. Uh, Bud Hopkins. Uh, Stan Friedman, years, many years before, uh, a couple years ago, Paula Harris came to speak. Uh, we did a special event for her. So we've had we've had uh, a field trips, and we all were in Roswell for the 50th anniversary. You know, zero members have become friends and and family really because they've spent so many so many years together and having this camaraderie together because of the experience, they're able to relate to each other and they feel safe because knowing that they could talk among each other and not feel uh, foolish and ridiculed. You know, this is a subject that you really, it's difficult to talk to somebody over dinner or, you know, a co-worker sits next to you. I mean, how do you approach somebody with this? And we have a commonality, uh, Yvonne. Is, my commonality with you is the book Communion. For years, late 70s, early 80s, I was fascinated. And, and I did my own research back then. I was so young until the early 90s. I was living in California. And that's when I bumped into the movie and the book Communion. And that reinvigorated me. Ever since I wanted to create a show, and it took a couple of decades for, for this to get uh, done. But that book also, I owe uh, to Whitley Strieber for having done it. Because otherwise, you and I probably wouldn't be talking here. And you probably wouldn't be helping so many abductees. Yes, I have a great respect for Whitley, um, not only, you know, from what he's gone through with his own experiences, but for writing the book Communion, because I, I know that uh, speaking to so many of my clients that opened up so many doors for people and awakened the fact that, you know, gee, I think this is what happened to me because there were so many uh, similarities uh, in that book with, people that, uh, you know, were wondering, you know, am I dealing with ghosts? Am I just crazy? Am I making this up? 
Uh, I know Whitley speaks of, about my work when he's, uh, you know, speaking and he's lecturing, and then he kindly mentioned my work in his book, Confirmation, mm-hmm. which uh, I thought was very, very nice of him, and I felt, uh, you know, very honored to to have him, uh, you know, write about my work. So I have a great respect for, you know, what he's gone through and how many people he's helped, and and uh, truly it uh, it it put me on my path as a as a hypnotherapist. And I'm, you know, happy that I was, I'm able to to help so many people, and uh, you know, more and more people are are coming forward because the more we put this out there in the media, and I'm very grateful for shows like like yours, Mel, that you know you talk about this and and you bring this out into the open. I think we, you know we have a long way to go to educate the public, but um, but shows like yours are are very very helpful, and I'm grateful for that. Oh, thank you. Have you ever spoken to Joe Montaldo? Oh, yes, many times. I've done his show several times. Good. The reason why I ask you, we had a conversation a few weeks ago, and he really tends to believe that a lot of the abductions, an example of of, of these abductions, that Betty and Barney Hill, who he believes were abducted, but they were re-abducted by our own government. Have you ever discerned from the people that you help that perhaps it's not alien, and perhaps it's somebody from here that's doing this? I believe that our government is very interested. I mean, they, they know. I mean, we all know that they know about the subject, UFOs. They know that their UFOs are out there. They're flying around. They're, you know, they've been tracked. They know more about this subject than probably we know Uh and I know they're very interested in people who've had encounters with these beings, um, but I do I I do not think I do not believe that our government has the capability of performing all the abductions on such a high level, because this this is not just in California or in the United States. This is all over the world. Exactly. This is a worldwide phenomenon. So. Oh, um, please! I don't mean to. I don't mean to interrupt you, but please tell the audience something, and, and I hope you can confirm this. A lot of people say, "Well, it's only white people that get abducted. It's only people from certain areas of the world." What I've been able to gather in the last few years is that this happens to anybody. Oh, absolutely! This this runs across. You know, it has no boundaries. In other words, they don't discriminate. They do not discriminate whatsoever. You know, just uh, across any socioeconomic you know, background, um, ethnic background, poor, rich, uh, famous. Uh, it happens to anybody and everybody. Right. So that's why, you know, when I lecture, I, I make sure that I tell the audience, this is not just California. This is not just the United States. When I've lectured in Europe uh, and in Brazil, I've had people come up to me afterwards because they – they saw something in my slide presentation that struck a, a nerve with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they telling me that they they uh, went through the same experience. They had the same feelings. They, I had I've had people in the audience start crying because it was so familiar to them. So uh, you know we have to dispel all these myths that you know it just happens in certain areas just to certain people. Um, so. As far as the as far as our government, um, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past our 
U.S. government that they may take people and, and, and try to interrogate them about their experience. But uh, I don't feel that it's, it's just our government doing this. You know, I feel that you know, this is happening by uh, beings from who, wherever they are. We don't know where they're from, but we certainly know that they're, they're interacting with, with, uh, with us down here, and, uh, and they certainly have their own agenda. So, no, I do, do not think it's all military. I don't think it's all government. They just don't have the capability. As I mentioned before, it, the audience has to understand this is worldwide. This is a worldwide phenomenon. Here's my theory, and I totally concur with you that I don't think the government is doing all of them. And I'm going to talk in a few minutes about a conversation I had with Alfred Weber in our past show in which he believes there are studies projecting that there's about 17% of the world's population, about 1 billion of the, out of 6 billion people in, on Earth have been abducted. But going back to my theory about what I think is happening here, I don't think the government is doing all of it, but I believe in what Joe Montaldo's theory says, that people are re-abducted because the government finds out they have been abducted. And if they were to call them and say, hey, can you come to the office? Let's talk about your abduction. That would be admitting that the phenomenon is real. But if they do it on a covert fashion, you know, whether they inject chemicals so that the person falls asleep, whatever. They're taken and they're analyzed medically. They're, they're inspected and they want to make sure that uh, they take uh, uh, tissue samples to see what happened to them. Is that too far-fetched? No, I, I do not think it's far-fetched, uh, Mel. I, I think that is a, a great possibility because I know I've spoken to a few people that feel that that has happened to them. Uh, so I really... I feel definitely. Why wouldn't our our government be interested in what happens to these people, uh, and, and and retesting them after they've had an abduction experience? Uh, you know, I have no proof of it. Of course, it's just according to the people that are are have talked about this, are tell are telling me about what happened, and um, you know, some of these people, I I feel, why would they lie? Uh, they they have nothing to gain by by making up such a story about their their initial abduction and you know as well as the government abduction. So uh, you know it would make sense that our government, the U.S. government, would be interested in these people. Of course, they're probably interested in people like me. Uh, so you know it, it's an, it's it's a little unnerving though that I think I could almost excuse the extraterrestrials and what they're doing, but I certainly cannot excuse what our own government is doing, uh, you know, so secretive and, and, you know, in abducting these people again. I mean, to me, that's, that's inexcusable for them to do something like that. I always say it in almost every show, a democratically elected government should be transparent and keeping this secret hidden from us for so long as Stephen Bassett calls it, the 60-year truth embargo is, is beyond me. But as I said during your introduction, you have published your first book, Chosen, Recollection of UFO Abductions Through Hypnosis. What kind of information does the book contain? I just, when I was writing, as I began writing Chosen, I decided that it was, 
because I felt that uh, one of my um, responsibilities was as I lectured throughout the you know the United States and when I finally went to Europe to take my work over there, I felt that my responsibility was to educate the general public and our mainstream media. So I felt that uh, I would talk about some of my cases, my initial cases, and I would also include the actual transcripts of their regressions. Uh, Those transcripts were not edited whatsoever because I thought that it was important for people to know and to experience themselves what someone goes through while during an abduction, the the sure. fear and the you know um, the the trauma. These, these people don't even know what these beings are, and they don't look quite like us, and you know they feel like they're going crazy. So I just felt it was important because there's there's so much emotion that uh, that these people experience, and they relive it during regression. So. As a, as a person reads Chosen, they will read the actual transcript of each case. Uh, and, I, and I also included an, an interview at the end of each chapter from, from each individual that I wrote about to, so that they could talk about how they're doing now from the moment, you know, the first time they walked into my office till now some, some of them, you know, I've worked with for many years, you know, how, how, they're, how it's changed their life or you know, for the, for better or for worse. Uh, I thought that was important to, you know, to express in the book and to share with the with the reading audience. Uh, I'm in the process of writing my second book. Uh, it might be called Chosen Two. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to include uh, more of the cases and try, you know, more in depth of the research that I've been doing. And hopefully, I can get this published uh, within within a year. Is it a continuation of the first book? I believe uh, I, I'll. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know my manager John Loggins says you know Chosen has been doing so well that he says uh, you know people want to know more about the cases that you're working with, so we should do Chosen too. And in my third book, I'm already planning on writing about a big case that occurred in uh, Coronado, California. Back in the mid '90s, about an abduction, uh, it was a mass abduction with 11 people. And, huh. uh, it's a it's a very interesting case, and and um, it's it's very involved. And but I I have some of the notes, and that would uh, I'll probably be writing the second and third book simultaneously. So <laughs> the next so. the next part of the show, and I'm glad that you you brought up. Uh, individual cases. But before I go on asking you about the contents of your book, specific cases and so on, I remember a book by, you probably know the name, Dr. Brian Weiss. Do you know him? Uh, Yes. I've never met him, but I'm familiar with who he is. Good. Well, I remember when I read the book, Many Lives, Many Masters. Uh, I know he was totally a skeptic. And to the audience that doesn't know who Dr. Brian Weiss is, he's another hypnotherapist. And he had a lot of people coming to him with certain issues. You know, one person didn't, didn't like to go into the water. Uh, another person didn't like to drive a car. And he started regressing them to a point of past lives. 
and found some uh, correlations between people who drowned in a previous life or somebody who crashed in you know, their car or their airplane crashed. And I, I see some similarities between his book and yours in that there's a recollection of or a compilation of the best cases. So what I want to do now, if you could, is tell us, give us a summary of some of the cases that are included in the book and perhaps the ones that you haven't published yet. I included two cases in Chosen. The first one was about um, the abduction of two brothers back in the early 1950s. They were abducted together. They both had a similar conscious recollection of what occurred. They, they saw a strange man in their parents' backyard uh, they both saw something in his hand where he raised, and once he raised it, it was their their memory would stop there. Their conscious memory stopped there. Now, when people talk about uh, seeing a deer or a man, or <coughs> excuse me, we call that screen memory, and um, it's not quite what actually occurred, but it's something that the um, I'll say the alien beings will. Uh, interject in their minds to make them believe it was something else. Um, it's it's a very it's it's a very strange component to this. So we talk, we're talking about Mel's um, talking about screen memory, which is you know very interesting. I've had cases over the years where someone is driving down the highway and they say, you know, I I saw these flashing lights ahead of me and. It looked like an accident. It looked like an ambulance, and so I had to slow down, and you know, and try to drive around it. And then their memory stops there, mm-hmm. and they remember that they continued driving, but yet it's two hours later. Right. So years after, they you know they. Uh, and you hear that Yvonne from almost everyone who's abducted while they're driving. Not you know not exactly the same story, but um, yes, it's very similar. I have a, the the case of John in in my book Chosen about he was driving uh, to see his girlfriend up north several hours several hours drive. He saw a very strange low flying craft in the sky. His thought was, I don't think this is a plane. Um, he was going over a bridge. He thought I'm gonna I'm gonna pull over and I want to take a look at this because it's really low. Uh, and he, the next memory was of he was waking up in his car. He was still in his car, and um, he didn't realize, but it was several hours later. By the time he arrived at his girlfriend's, you know, she was wondering, you know, where were you? Why are you so late? Oh, is he in trouble? Exactly. This happens time and time again. Uh, I have I have so many cases about this. So. With the skeptics out there that say, oh, it's all, you know, dream, you know, uh, sleep paralysis, they're all dreaming. Well, these people are not, are not uh, asleep when they're driving. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's an incredible phenomenon to me that uh, so many people have experienced this while driving with, by themselves or with other people in, in, in the vehicle with them. Mm-hmm. One of my cases in Chosen was about uh, two women who were driving on a very busy uh, highway in Southern California. 
where they saw they both saw a bright light. They thought, you know, it was a helicopter, but it's, you know, it was there was no noise, and they thought it's too low to be a plane. And and again, you know, they they the next memory was them. They had to stop at the store before they went home. They they both attended a meeting together that night, and not realizing that they were supposed to be home at ten o'clock. When they arrived at the grocery store, it was twelve midnight. Um, so this is this in people who who study this, you know, this, this scenario is very familiar to them. Uh, and it's not until the person comes to someone like myself and they choose to look into this, and then we do a regression back to that particular time when they were driving, then that ambulance with the flashing lights usually, you know, turns out to be a UFO that, that's mm-hmm. there on the highway, and um, and that's when their abduction starts. Going back to Jim Sparks for a moment, it it's not peculiar to see somebody who has a high degree of recollection as he does. Otherwise, I would presume that wouldn't be seeking your assistance because they remember. So the majority of the people don't remember. What has been your success rate in regressing people to the point where you know what really happened? Well, I've been pretty successful in retrieving uh, these these hidden memories. Uh, it does not always happen during the first session. Now, the first session is always the most difficult, and I tell all of my clients this. We may not get anything during the first session because it's, the person coming to me usually has never been hypnotized, much less right. regressed, and much less regressed with the possibility of, of uh, alien abduction. So there's there's a lot of uh, you know fear there and trepidation, and you know they've never worked with me. They're they're not sure about hypnosis. Am I trying to control their mind? So uh, there's there's so many. Uh, there's so much I have to do during the first session to dispel the myths, to educate them about how they're going to feel during hypnosis, that they are going to be aware that they're not going to be blacked out. I don't use drugs. So it's after that first session, after that hump, when the person comes back to me and uh, we've gained the rapport already, they know that they're safe and they know that, that I can be trusted that's when most of the information begins to come forward. But many times during the first session, it depends on the person. Depends well, on how they ready feel, they are. They feel vulnerable, like the people who write to me. I'm not an expert like you, but they feel comfortable in coming to somebody who obviously, by displaying a degree of interest in, in these subjects, that immediately puts them in a safe place to talk to me. And what I want to know is, when you take somebody... To your office. First of all, I would presume that they come in with a very vulnerable attitude for what happened before, so you need to gain their trust. Am I right? Absolutely. So what happens in the second session? Take us from there. Well, basically, in the second session, uh, which is, I feel I wish I could just go to the second session automatically with each person. It's, it's so much easier because we have gone through that hump you know, from the first session, as I mentioned before. They come in. They they've already worked with me once. They feel that they're you know they're in good hands. I I usually place them either in a recliner, a very comfortable recliner, or on a couch, 
Right. And um, I begin using my voice. I begin the relaxation process and letting them know. I let them know when we are talking cognitively uh, before the hypnosis starts what exactly I'm going to do. And I ask them, are there any suggestions you'd like me to give you while you're in hypnosis? Because in hypnosis, we're dealing with the subconscious mind, which is much stronger than the conscious mind. And many people would like to, you know, while they're in hypnosis, they like, you know, suggestions for sleeping better, for better concentration, for, uh, you know, whatever it is at that time that they need. Uh, because as I mentioned before, I have my regular practice. But I'll take that person, once, that they, once they're in the state of hypnosis, I take them into, uh, back to that time and place. And this is you know, more than one experience that these people have gone through all their lives. So I will ask them before we even start the first session, which... Um, which experience is more significant to them? Which one would they like to look into first? It could be back when they were five years old. It could be something that could have happened two weeks ago. So I just take them back to that particular time and place and uh, begin asking them the questions and letting them bring the information forward from the subconscious. The listening audience, uh, may I mention my website? Of course, of course you can. Uh, The book can be... Uh, purchase through my website at uh, www.ysmith.com, and uh, they could also, uh, you know, request to have it personalized as well. So I would love it. You know, I always ask everybody, you know, purchase my book and and the books of of my colleagues and give them out as gifts because, you know, we really do have to continue spreading the word out there. Let's take our first break. Let me ask you a question. I want to know, what has been the case that has fascinated you the most and the one that you keep looking at and you keep getting answers and answers and the conclusions you have from that? Actually, before we take a break, as promised, here's the abduction hypnotherapy audio. On this first clip, you will hear one of the brothers recount a portion of his experience. After the break, in the members section, you will be able to hear the other brother, who will talk about the implant and the supposed agreement he had with the extraterrestrials. And don't adjust your audio. There's some clipping and some distortion coming from the original tape, but still, the audio is almost pristine. Uh, I take John by his hand and we go up the hill and we go on up the hill. There's this strange looking house there and there's people working all around and there's over to the left there's this one one big guy standing there and he looks like a soldier standing there, mm-hmm. except he, it looks like he's got a, he's holding something in his hand. What does he have in his hand? Looks like a big, long stick. Uh, it's across his chest like, like you would hold a gun. And what does that house look like? Uh, there's, uh, 
it's round and there's there's uh, looks like boards holding up the the round the the round roof and people scurrying around all around it and there's three standing over me uh, there's three th th they're at my feet looking down at me they look like mm -hmm. oh, they're uh, oh they're little people they're they're dark There's another one on each side of me, and there's my feet, and there's two up at my head, and they keep looking down at me. It's getting hot. Where's John? It's getting really hot. John's, they, they carried him off. Where did they take him? He, they, they picked him up. Who picked him up, did you see? One of them picked him up and carried him off. There, there, one of those old dark ones picked him up. Does he's they they the, he's they just took him in there, and uh, oh this one's leaning over really close to my face looking at me. This guy on the right, what's it? He's got uh, he's got a rod. It, he's down at my feet. He's down at my legs. I can't see down there because of the box on my chest. But he's got he's down there with this this long rod, and uh, I don't know what he's doing. But this big guy over here on the left keeps looking down there at my legs, and uh, then he looks, ooh, then he looks right at me in the face. He's staring at me right now. He's just staring. He's just staring. He's just staring. That one carried John over here, and he's holding John up. John's looking at me. And him up there, looking down at me. Who's holding John? This black one here, this dark one. He's holding him up, and he's looking down at me. John's looking at you? Yeah. He, he took him away. <clears throat> it's like he wanted me to make sure John was okay. Mm. And he was okay. And he set him down. Took him, stood him down. Where's John now? It's down here to the right. I guess he's taking him out the door, I don't know. I don't see him now. That big guy keeps looking at me. And he puts, he's got his hand on my chest. Oh, he's got his left hand on my chest. And he's looking down right into my eyes. Really close. He's leaning down, looking right into my eyes. Right into my eyes. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the second audio clip with the other brother recounting his abduction experience, his implant, and the agreement with extraterrestrials. And also, we'll be back with Yvonne Smith, author of Chosen, Recollections of UFO Abductions Through Hypnosis, and the rest of the interview. This is Mel Fabregas and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and join us in the members area to tune in 
to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more. and you're listening to The Veritas Show.